you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We are going to read four little verses today. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. For those of you that don't have it, uh, we'll have it on the screen for everybody. But we're reading Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And so Paul begins and he speaks and he directs his attention to children and he says this. Let's read it together. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So that if so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. And fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. But bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. All right, that's going to be our anchor. So if you have your Bibles, keep it there because we're going to reflect on that. So there is a phrase. Have have you guys ever heard? I'm sure you have. It's a very common phrase in English called home sweet home. All right, raise your hands if you've heard of that one, right? Home sweet home online as well. Do you know where it comes from? How old is that phrase? Which is really interesting. It was the title of an opera song for over 100 100 years ago, early 1900s. And in that home sweet home, there was a part that says there is no place like home. Now, if I say that, what what comes to mind maybe for some of you, right? A little Dory, not Dory, I say Dory. Oh my gosh, Dorothy, right? And so uh, the Wizard of Oz, right? There's no place like home, home sweet home. Now for some of you, listen, that's, I I, I bet that's a reality for some of you, right? Home sweet home. Some of you, you can't wait to get home, right? I know, uh, I, I know, I remember I saw somebody post this and and they said out loud what, what me and Alicia feel in the sense when he says, build such a life that you don't need to take a vacation from. I love that. I feel like that's a little habit. Like, I want to make sure that our home is a place where I want to go at the end of the day, right? Where my kids want to go and my kids want to come back to when they don't have to anymore, right? Home, sweet home. That's what we desire. But for, let's just be honest, it's never always sweet, right? Because of this things, right? People, people like the people, right? And life likes the life. And so sometimes it's kind of like a mix of sweet and sour, right? And so there's an element, hopefully more sweet than sour, right? But that's just the reality of it. And so it must be though, we must look and address this because this family dynamic, all right, between children, kids, and parents, this is a big deal because again, it reflects an amazing relationship between God as our heavenly father and his kids. And so this, what This relationship must be taken into consideration and how can we learn to grow faithfully in it? And so we picked this up, we're picking up right now where I left off a couple weeks ago. So two weeks ago, we talked about marriage and we read the the part right before this in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5.21, which I think I have it. Ephesians 5.21, Paul says, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. And this was in the context of uh, you don't have this up there, but he was talking about being consistent in the Christian life. What does that mean? Paying careful attention to your walk. And he says uh, uh, to be filled with the Spirit, be it speaking with one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making music with your heart, giving thanks for everything God has done. And so notice even that, and there's a beautiful element here when he says to be filled in the Spirit, then actually is to, he talks about this, to be filled in the Spirit is to submit to one another which is maybe for some of you, that's not an association that maybe you've grown up with and thought about. To be filled with the Spirit is, to not, is not so much to be controlled in this moment by this moment. Ultimately, it's, it's to be controlled by the Word, and, and which is the Spirit. And so this element, when he goes and he speaks on this, and he goes into and he speaks to wives and, and, and um, husbands first, 
before he goes to kids, and so for those of you, I don't know, uh, some of you guys are parents, some of you guys have adult kids. Who has, we have a few with adult kids, some young adult kids, some no kids, right? Maybe want to have kids one day. Um, but I want to make, make sure you guys understand this in the sense of when he addressed the couples first, is because that is the foundation. Like the marriage is the foundation for that family. And so for those of you that have kids still and want to have kids one day, please remember this. Please remember this. The best thing that you can do for your kids is to love your spouse. Remember that now. The best thing you can do, if you want to love your kids, you let them see you loving your spouse. Best thing you can do. All right? Especially if you have unbelieving kids. All right? The best thing that they can do is to see the love of Christ to them. Yes. But towards your spouse. All right, if you have one. And so that's an important thing. And so that's very, very, very foundational. And if not, obviously, the, the beautiful thing about God's family is that we kind of act as, um, not a surrogate family, but a, but a fill-in. Because like we've seen, sometimes homes are broken. And there's, there's a person that is either maybe present, but they're not, you know, doing their part. Or because of life and certain circumstances, a person is just not there at all. And that's what the beautiful thing about the church is we are not to replace, but sometimes help kind of fill in the gaps when it's not, uh, not the most ideal. But we're going to look at this right here when it comes to marriage, kids, because we want to make sure we are sowing the right seeds. We're sowing the right seeds so that we're able to reap a great harvest because the thing about parenting and this whole situation, and even if you don't have kids, let me just tell you, if you don't have kids and never will, all right, there's going to be something here you want to catch. So, <clears throat> first off, he talks to who? Who's the first person that Paul addressed in that moment in the relationship? Who's the first one? Who's the first one? Kids, right? Now you got to ask yourself why. Now, when you look back at the relationship with, between husband and wives, who does Paul address first? Read it again. Look, if, you, if you have it, if you look, he addressed the wives first. He goes wives first and then husbands. And then he goes kids first and then right? And then, and then the parents. And so this is really interesting because there is a parallel. So the things when we talked about the, you know, husbands and wives, your relationship with each other actually carries on into this one. And so, so check this out. The first one, he goes this, um, just so, as a recap, what was the thing that wives were supposed to do when it comes to their relationship with their husbands? They were supposed to submit to their husbands. How? He says, respecting, like uh, wives, respect your husbands. Respect what? Their voice, their, their role, their responsibility, right? The wives are not to, co they're not to covet their uh, husband's position or want to um, rebel and not, and not stand, you know, no, I'm, I'm my own, you can't tell me anything, whatever, you know? No, the husband is supposed to submit, but so is the wife. And here's the crazy part about that is that the, the relationship between the wife and the husband is actually very similar to the relationship between kids and the parents. And so this is a very important thing. So moms, for those of you that still have kids and adult kids or, or you know, kids to live with you, please listen to this. You have a high calling. And those that want to be moms one day, please listen. You have a high calling in this relationship with parenting. A high one. Because the way that your kids see you respecting and loving their husband. You are modeling to them what their role is. You're modeling to them. You have a very high calling in this. And so notice when Paul says to, he says obey, but what's, you know, he used the word obey their parents, but isn't that submitting? If you think about it, kids submit to your parents. How? By obeying. Right now, there's probably a lot of kids that, you know, some of you that are living, like, oh my gosh, this is not fun at all. All right. I was like, who, who likes that? 
right? Obey your mom, obey your dad, right? And, and that doesn't, it already sounds like a mm to you. But he makes this connection and he talks about this with the um, honor your father and mother. That should sound familiar, right? That's one of the 10 commandments, all right? Commandment number five, honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with the promise. And so this is a big deal. Now, what is that promise? We're gonna look at that today, guys. This one is uh, a cool promise, but yo, listen, a scary one too. So let me show you. First thing, why should, uh, for those of you that are, as, as we're reading this, Paul, he gives this implication, obey your parents, and he gives a reason why. Can you read it one more time? Look at verse, uh, verse one, chapter six, verse one. He says, obey your parents, and then he gives a reason why. Why? You see it? It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do for many different reasons, guys. So listen, it is the right thing to do. Why? Because it shows, it honors God. Why? What's in the context of this whole thing of honor your father and mother? It's a way of honoring your heavenly father. And so doing this in this way, obeying them, respecting them, it's a way it, it shows honor and respect to God, number one. So it's the right thing to do. And guys, this is what I want you to understand. For those of you, especially you're still living at home, listen, being this relationship and obeying is not meant to be a bother to you. It's supposed to be a blessing. So listen, listen, it is supposed to be a blessing, not a bother. And I know it almost sounds like, no, that can't be, but it's true. Because listen, God's word says, and we're going to talk about it. But also, why is it the right thing to do to learn to obey? Because you, it is, you want to embrace this blessing and not be a curse or not be a bother. Right here, ready? This is the, most, the, the worst feeling in the world. No, let me not say the worst, okay? One of the worst feelings, most, one of the most frustrating feelings in the world as a parent is to have your kid act out in public. All right? Look at that. I know. It's all right. We, I'm sure we've had moments. Have we not? Online, you should have heard the grumbling on that one. That was instant, okay? Yes or no? Those that have kids, isn't that the worst, right? When you're there and you say something and they either act out or start crying or doing this and raising their voice and you're looking at them with these like with them eyebrows and you're looking at them like you're holding it in. Become like, nah, when I get in the car, we get home. You know, it's like, oh, you're not doing this right now, okay? People got phones, all right? I don't want to be on YouTube, right? And so, <coughs> night before, back in the day, you didn't have it like that. But now, man, hashtag trending real quick. But think about this. For those of you, listen, look at this practice. A kid who grows up like that, who has, I'm going to do what I want, how I want, I don't care. Do you see how, A, you embarrass and, and how it affects your parents, number one, which fed you and keep you alive and do give you all this stuff and right, whatnot. I'm not saying they're perfect. What's the other things? I mean, it, it, does, it, it does honor them. It, and, but when you act out in this way, you see how it can affect other people? It affects other people too. That's the, that's the second worst. It's one thing to be able to say when your kid acts out, but you ever been in a scenario when somebody else's kids and you're, it's so like cringe. You want to die for them. Like you want to interject and be like, listen, kid, right? Because especially if the parents are not doing anything, whoever is, you know, sometimes wishing they could, it's like someone do something because you bother everybody. And guys, listen, that could be you. You want to be careful with the seeds that you're sowing as a kid in your age. It's a big deal because you can also... Now everyone has a reputation of you as a kind of way. And so that's a big deal. And so look at the ramifications of this, guys. Because notice he says, this commandment to honor your father and mother. So look at how he explains submitting for kids. How do you submit to your parents? By honoring them, by obeying them, and all of it in the tone in a respectful way. In a respectful way. 
Now, this does not mean, this does not mean that you excuse abuse. Kids, I'm not saying you don't do that. We don't excuse abuse. And obviously, you know, not every parent is perfect. We're going to get to there. But you got to understand the ramifications of your decisions when you act out in this way. So number one, rebelling against authority versus respecting authority. Rebelling against authority, guys, listen, it brings more damage to you and to others than you would think. In fact, let me show you a very weird Bible verse that I don't know if you ever knew was there, all right? It's kind of tucked in the corner. It's in context. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 18 and 21. Can we go there? And let's read Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21. This is God, by the way. So if, for those of you, if you don't want to look it up, you can read it. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son, here he goes. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and his mother, who doesn't listen to them, even after they discipline him, next verse, what are you to do? His father and his mother are to take hold of him, bring him to the elders of the city, to the gates of his hometown. All right, keep going. They will say to the elders of the city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He doesn't obey us. He's a glutton and a drunkard. Stop there. So look at, look at the characteristics. He's a glutton and a drunkard. So what do we know about this type of person? All right, this is not a one-time act. This is a habitual thing, a habitual thing. And notice glutton, he has no self-control. Do you see what I'm saying? This kid is, a, this is a person with no self-control at all. He eats everything, drinks everything. Next verse. Then all the men of the city will stone him to. Did you know that was there? Have you ever read this verse? They will stone him to death. You must purge the evil from you. And all of Israel will hear and be afraid. That's a weird verse. Guys disobeying your parents in a reckless way is a capital punishment. Do you know that there's four death penalties, four main death penalties that God gives? This is one of them. Now you gotta ask them like, whoa, what? Okay, first off, listen, none of us would be alive today. Number, you know, like, uh, but at the same time, look at the extreme. This is not saying, you know, the kid dropped their milk or, you know, the, the kid wouldn't pick up. Their, their underwear from the ground. They didn't make their bed. Um, uh, that's it. Get them out. All right. All right. Well, you know, like it is, it's not like that either. It's not like this. He messes up. You're one and done. You know, now nah, he's broken. Let's try another one here. This one, this one doesn't obey. No, this is not that. Notice this is a kid with no self-control. You see what I'm saying? A glutton and a drunkard. He doesn't listen to anything or anyone. The parents discipline him in nothing. So this death penalty is meant to be for someone who is a menace to society. Because a kid, a person, if they don't obey, if they cannot obey and submit to their parents in, as authority, this is a kid who will grow up and not re submit to any levels of authority. Not their jobs, not the government, none. So do you, it shouldn't be surprising to know that I think studies show that around 70% of people in jail today come from broken homes where they either 70% of people in jail today come from broken homes, meaning either they, they were parents who did not parent them well, they did not give them a structure or values because why are they in jail today? 
because they're doing what they want and they're rebelling against authority because as a child, that's the seeds that they had probably sown or were sown into them, you know? that they were either abused or something else. Again, broken homes, that there's people missing or this and that. And so the majority of people in jail today come from that brokenness. And why did God put a death penalty there? Number one, to deter. Notice it's to be afraid. Why? So kids, you don't want to be the first guy. You know, you don't want to be the first one and be like, All right, I, think, I think we got a candidate, guys. All right. You didn't want to be that because God said it. And so you don't want to you didn't want to be that. So God put the death penalty there to deter. He did not want someone to do that. Does that, you, you follow me on that? That's what that's for. But at the same time, because he put a death penalty to it, it shows that unable to learn to live under authority will bring death and destruction to your life. It will bring death and destruction to your life. So for those of you, listen, some of you guys are still young and you got, you're going to be at home for a little bit. Some of you guys, I'm watching you guys, you're, you're taller than your moms, all right? You're probably, you're, you're on the back end. You probably have very few years left. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you're still living at home, we got some 20-somethings and that's, that's good. And so how can you maximize these final moments to learn to live under authority? Because again, fellas, they're talking about you first, all right? Notice that you are to respect and to submit to your wife. Do you understand that practicing submitting to your spouse, you are, I'm sorry, to submitting to your parents, you are practicing how you're gonna eventually submit to your spouse. If you rebel against your spouse, I mean, rebel against your parents all the time, then guess what you're gonna do? You're not gonna listen, you're not gonna listen to them, now you're not gonna listen to your wife, vice versa, ladies. If you're home, and if you can't submit to your parents, then you're practicing something that's going to make it really hard to submit to a husband. And then your kids are going to see that. And then you're going to want, you know, say, oh, well, my kids are so bad. I want to, hey, you're teaching them. Those are seeds that you've sown and they're reaping. And so, guys, the rebelling against authority is a death penalty. But then look at the opposite. So notice, remember, God said this is a, this is a commandment that comes with a promise, right? And promise number one is if you don't obey, all right, you get, that's a promise. That's you're supposed to be, that's, that's supposed to happen. But what is, but here he says, you will have a long life in the land. Do you see why you're gonna have a long life in the land? Because death penalty, death penalty, if not, but at the same time, Moses is not, and Paul is not saying, if you obey, you're gonna have a life full that will not have any problems, any pain, any nothing. No, 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 he's not saying that. In a sense of long life means of quality of life because to learn and to grow and understand authority and respect, I mean, guys, you are developing the kind of characteristic that's gonna help you in the job, in your, in your family, in your marriage. Do you see what I'm saying? Like you are sowing seeds that will be a blessing to you. And so some of you guys need to watch your attitude. I don't know because I don't got cameras and no one's been snitching, okay? Parents are not gonna, I was like, yo, I, I need a sermon real quick and you tell them, put, put them in place. Parents are coming up next, so just hold on. But anyways, so I need y'all to understand, some of you, listen, that you are at home. You're supposed to honor and obey and respect, and so obey doesn't necessarily mean you have to like it, but you respect, like, oh, I don't want to take out the trash. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that, but you know what? I'm going to do my part. If my mom asked me to do it, my dad asked me to do it, they ain't charging me rent yet, and so, you know, and so I'm going to do it, and you should do it out of respect. Yes, ma'ams. Yes, sirs. All right. Yes, ma'ams and yes, sirs. 
Guys, you are developing and growing into a young adult, a responsible individual. But in order to do that, you got to respect authority. And why should you do it? Because A, again, it, it honors God. Guys, I want you to see it in that way. It, it, it shows you, it gives you an opportunity to love God by loving your parents in that way. And guys, I just said it. So check this out. Acting this way, you can change your family tree. You can change your family tree. If you understand and learn and take these moments, these next three, four, five, eight years, whatever you're living at home, you can change your family tree by learning to honor and respect your parents. Now, notice there was not a uh, caveat to that. It's like honor your parents and obey them as long as they, no, no, no. See, that's the thing about covenant love. Like, can you imagine again learning the skill Oh, and this is what the Holy Spirit gives you, to be respectful to somebody who might be disrespectful to you. You're going to face that in the world. You're going to face that in the world. And again, no parent is perfect. So could you imagine in those moments when they are disrespectful, instead of you responding in disrespect, you say, God, I want to honor you right now. This person don't deserve it, <laughs> all right? But he does. And you show that honor and respect. To that mother, that grandmother, whatever, who else that, that's, that's close. That, it's, you can change your family tree. And so then he goes from children in the same way he went from wives to husbands. And what are the wives supposed to do? Honor and respect. And uh, children, same thing. And then he goes to the parents. Now notice that verse was short, verse 4. It, it seemed like he had more to say to the kids than, than, the, than the parents. Because he just says one verse and it says, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Now, just because it's small does not mean he has little to say because this is still connected, guys, to the husband one from a couple of weeks ago. And so, ladies, now I want you to listen. So, wives, if you are here, that relationship with your husband, guess what? That is now something you have to embody with your kids. What is the husband's high calling? And, and fellas, listen to that. You have a high calling because there is, you, you reflect Christ in the relationship. Not that you are Christ, but you reflect Christ. And so in the same way that you were to love your wife sacrificially and sanctify them with your words, wives, guess what you're supposed to do with your kids? Both husband and wives are to live sacrificially for the kids and sanctify them with your words. So husbands, do you see that you can help and you model to your wife what she is to do? And what she is supposed to do as well. Look, look at the beautiful picture there of a kid seeing that, right? These are goals. Remember, home sweet home, it's never perfect. But look at the goal. Look at the intent. And we shoot for that. And so, ladies, everything that I talked about for the husbands last week that necessarily wasn't for you, it is for you when you apply it specifically to this relationship. And so what does he say here? Um, he again focuses on that. So when it comes to headship, right, there's the parents are the head of the kids. The parents are. But listen closely. The headship is about, not about taking control. Headship is about taking responsibility. So parents, you got to listen because this is going to, now we're going to go for you. Now, why should parents do this? Why should parents live sacrificially and sanctify them for the same reason why kids should respect their parents? It's the right thing to do. Do you guys understand that? That is a way that you get to honor and love God in the way that you love your kids. 
You love and serve them is a way that you love God. It's a beautiful thing. So number one, it's evangelistic. They get to see, they get to see uh, the love of Christ in a beautiful dynamic. And by the way, that also helps them when it comes to options. When they want to date and when they want to start, you know, looking at, you know, when they see the love of Christ in the father, in the mother, then, or in you, right? I'm like, yo, I, that's, I want to see that because I see what that looks like. That's an option. And so, but he gives one negative and one positive. And parents, this is important because in the same way, your parenting style could be the reason why you're not growing spiritually. Because this is part, a big part of it as well. You, you are to parent a kind of way because it helps you to grow spiritually. Kids, you are supposed to act a kind of way as well because it helps you to grow spiritually. And so first off, he gives a negative. What's the negative? Can we see it? Don't stir up what, he says? Don't stir up what? Don't stir up anger in your kids. Another verse might be translated as do not provoke them to wrath. Guys, that is an Old Testament phrase and that I want you to catch. That's an Old Testament phrase because there's times in which God says, do not provoke me to wrath. And people, people would. You can read it over and over again. And so God is slow to anger and abounding in love. And parents, we're supposed to be the same, slow to anger, being gracious and patient. But at, one, at some point, God is like, all right, enough. Enough is enough. All right. And now he has to come through because if his children are being stubborn, and rebellious continually because God is a good dad and he's a good father. He's not going to just let that go. So he's going to, all right, now I got to do something to get you guys to wake up and, uh, you know, and to be able to course correct here. Well, parents, we're supposed to do, we could do the same thing, but notice the intent. And so here he says, do not stir them up in anger. So if I could say it a different way, guys, it's this, parents, a big goal that Paul says we're supposed to do is not parent in such a way that upsets them. Now, ooh, be careful. All right, because kids, you gotta listen closely to what I'm saying. Because what parents, what we don't wanna do is we don't wanna give them a right reason to be upset. Kids are always gonna be upset for nothing. Like, you know, take out the trash. You know, it's like, you know, do the dishes. Why? You know, and so, you know, you know take a shower again, you know, and so like, all those things, right? They're gonna feel a kind of way. But what you don't want to do is give them a rightful reason to be mad at you, a rightful reason to be upset. And what is a rightful reason? Well, parents, you give your kids a, a reason to be upset when you treat them like a punching bag. You know, your boss, they yell at you. You can't, you, you can't yell at the customers. You got to hold it in because you want to keep your job, right? So you can't yell at the customers. You can't yell at your boss. You can't yell at, you know, maybe you get yelled at and this and that. And so there's the kids and then you're, because you've been suppressing all of this. And so you take it out on them because they're an easy target. They're defenseless. Parents, you give them a rightful reason to be upset when you treat them like a punching bag. Uh, also a scapegoat. When you make, they're the reason why everything is going wrong. They're the reason why. And they don't understand. So for those of you that want to have kids one day, man, take some heavy notes and put some seeds in here because you, can, you have an opportunity of getting it right, all right, or better. And so another reason, that these are ways, guys, that you can stir up your kid to be angry. And just, some of you guys, I know this is going to affect some of you because you, on both ends, even if you're an adult, you're still going to feel it because maybe this is how you were parented. Um, you stir up somebody in, you stir up somebody to anger when you are inconsistent, when you're inconsistent with your punishments, with your, with your love, with your, when you're inconsistent in any way, you give them a rightful reason to be upset. Also, when you are insensitive to them, 
You give him a rightful reason. When you are inaccessible, ah, I can't right now, I'm too busy. I can't, I can't, I can't. You give them a rightful reason to be upset. When you're inattentive to them, when you are insufferable, you can't put up with them. Or when you're insulting. Remember, the husbands are supposed to live sacrificially and the husbands are supposed to sanctify their wives with the word of God, with their words. Parents, we are to do the same. If, you're, if you want to be a parent one day, it is about living sacrificially in such a way, but that also you sanctify them with your words. So we don't, ta- we don't stir them up to tear them down. What does he then say, which was negative? He says to build them up. And so what do we do? To build them up is two things. It says to train, build them up in the training, and build them up in the instruction of the Lord. The first one is the negative one, all right? Training means to correct. So Kids, I'm sorry, all right? Parents have a rightful reason to be able to say, uh, no, all right? Not with that tone, not like that, not this, do this, do that. They they have, and parents, you cannot be their best friend. You cannot be. There there is a responsibility to bring that level of correction to say, God, not like this, not like this. So kids, this is where the respect comes in because no one likes to be corrected, amen, yes or no? Even as adults, correct? No one likes to be corrected. No one likes to know they're doing it wrong. But this is where that humility comes in because if you can learn, you know what? I don't have it. I'm, I'm not as smart as I think I am. I still have something to learn, all right? This is a big deal. And so parents, you have that responsibility to correct them, to say, no, not like that. This, you know, you gotta work on that. This, you have the responsibility, but you have to balance it. Notice he says, you bring them up in the training, what did he say? In the training and instruction. So instruction is, yo, chill out, not like that. Instruction is a positive phrase. And so this is now the encouragement thing. This is where you want to guide them or show them, listen, no, not like that, like this, let me show you. Or no, it's not like this, and here's why you're explaining. Why does that matter? You know, taking those little moments, taking moments to be able to say, look, this is why that big, you know, it's like, oh, you know, let's say it's homework, right? And they're not, uh, they're not on top of their studies. And so you could say, listen, no, you got to, because here's why. You, you want to learn personal responsibility and this and that. And if you can, you're practicing that here. You don't want to practice laziness. You don't want to practice that because that's going to be your characteristics. And so parents, we got to balance that because if not, if it's all correction and no love, you're giving them a rightful reason to be upset. All right? But you balance it with your words. What, what, what life-giving words are you saying? How are you encouraging them? This is why um, I have the bottom line for today is this understanding is a humble home is a happy home. A humble home is a happy home. And, and notice it's, it's all these elements together. It's notice the humility that comes in with the kids, which is, in, which is understood. But parents, I don't think about that. The, have you ever considered that the Bible says we are to submit to our kids? How do we submit to our kids? Now, they don't run the show. Oh, no. All right? No way. We'd be broke and on the streets tomorrow. All right? If they got to spend the money they wanted to and do everything. It's not going to happen like that. But a humble home is a happy home because we are encouraging and loving one another in that way. And so why and why and how does this happen? Because listen, in doing this, it honors our Heavenly Father who, listen, it honors our Heavenly Father when we submit to the Holy Spirit and to Jesus and His Word. And our Father lovingly corrects us. This is how God is towards us. And so there's a lot of application that we can take from this. And so when it comes to the kids, um, this is not just directed to those that have kids. Hey, listen, we're all, we've all been kids at one point, all right? And whether your parents are alive or not, this can apply to you. And so kids, how can we show love and mercy and grace? 
Well, our parents, which I said a minute ago, you don't excuse abuse. You hear me? In fact, that is honoring your parents to be able to stand up and say, that's not right. That's actually honoring to them because you're helping them to call them out, but in a loving way. What's one thing, and this is something that me and, me and my wife have learned and tried to apply. Don't compare your parents to somebody else's parents, like Johnny down the street, Susie this, who's that. Because now you can see, oh, you know, well, he did, you know, his parents does this, and, you know, you don't. And now you kind of have this sense of bitterness, or, um, you know, you're grading them on a scale, which you don't even know what it's like to live in that house. Let's be real. And so you don't want to compare them, but you want to compare your parents to a specific one. Ready for all of you? You don't compare your parents to anyone but their parents. Grade, their, grade your parents by how they were parented. Have, do you know how... Do you know the experience that parents had when they were kids? You should ask. You should ask them. Because when you see, you might learn something. You're like, oh, that's why she's like that. Oh, that's why he's like that. And you may begin to realize that that's a sense of trauma that, that your parents had that, they're trying to, that they haven't healed from yet. And so when you see those experiences, you know what that should stir up in your heart? Compassion and love. Like saying, oh, she's not yelling at me like that, or she's not treating me like that because she doesn't love me. It's because she did not. You know, it, it, it's that passing down. And so, guys, it's an important deal to be able to do that because when you compare them to how they were parented, guys, you might see something. You're like, you know what? Yeah, my mom and my dad are not perfect, but man, the way that they were treated as a kid, and if you feel like, yo, did it get better? Then you should be grateful for that parent. Do you hear me? If you see that you should be grateful that parent that yo, if you could trade with your grandparents and you're like, nah, I would keep my mom, I would keep my dad, then you should be thankful and loving that because you know your parents aren't perfect, but they're doing it better. They're getting better. You see what I'm saying? So for some of you, even maybe it could be a little tougher for some of you that, that your parents are no longer here anymore. But listen, there's a lot of things that you might be holding against your parents still that's just, you want to let that go. And, and especially if you're younger, please listen. Because a little chip on your shoulder, oh, my dad never did this. My mom always did this. A little chip on your shoulder will turn into a two-ton boulder that will crush you in your adult life. And some of you might have that boulder already. But praise God that the blood of Jesus is enough to be able to remove and to bring healing to that bitterness inside. But guys, don't let it. I've seen it ruin too many lives. And I've seen adults grow up and they can't be happy because they still remember what they did or what this person didn't do and yada, yada, this and that. And guys, let that go. Let that go. Respect their voice. Respect their role. Show love to them because again, it will change you and it will change your family tree. And parents, the same. How can you show love and mercy to your kids? Well, serve them. Don't live vicariously through them. You know what that means? It means these are for the people that either peaked in high school or for the people who just like never became anything. And so they feel like they get a do-over with their kids. All right. There's people who peak in high school and after that they feel like their life is whatever. And so they want now their kids to be great because they want to live vicariously through their kids or for the opposite. They were a nothing. They were a no one. And they, they need their kid to accomplish something for them to feel validated and good. No, guys, that's your life. They have their own. Your calling as a parent is to help them to grow in their divine design. How do you do that? By living sacrificially. That might, that might mean they want to take a, they want to go left when you want them to go right. And encouraging them, helping them to process those decisions. 
so that they can do that. It's important. And, but ultimately, parents, you are called to live in an understanding way with your kids. And so, do you understand? Because look, their world today, which is a hard part, me and Alicia, we, we, a big struggle that we have with, with our kids, I'm sure with everyone else's, is that we try to parent them according to how we grew up. That's our default. But our world that we grew up as kids is not this world. It's completely different. So we can't assume and just copy-paste strategies. And so we have to take time to be able to ask and help understand what is it like to live. And that, that, that doesn't cost you anything but time. Taking time to be able to pray in that way, to talk, to nourish them. Encourage them, correct them, but nourish them with your words. Nourish them with God's word. Nourish them with prayer. Because in the end, guys, listen, a humble home is a happy home when Christ is made at home. And that is the ultimate key for all of us. All right? Is Christ Lord of your life. That's the ultimate one. And you know what? Like I said, your circumstance, I don't know if your home, if your, uh, home is a sweet one or a sour one. But regardless of the answer, guys, we all need the same solution. Because look, imagine if your home was on fire and you call the cops, you call 911, they bring the fire, fire it is over. All right? But you don't want to let them in the house. They are equipped to handle the situation, but you don't let them into the house. And obviously what's going to be the condition of the house? And so, guys, we all have an element in our lives, in our homes, in which, because of the flesh, the blood of Jesus is enough to be able to address those things, to bring healing to those things. And so we just can't, again, that two-ton boulder or, or whatever, we just need to ask the Lord and be able to say, Lord, I, I still need you. Guys, for some of you, listen, do not, I know we, you know, we grow up with parents and, and you want to, you know, you kind of live a kind of way because you just want to make them proud or you want that other affirmation and they make you work for it. But listen, there is nothing like, there is nothing. The affirmation that you need is not from your earthly parents, but from your heavenly father. That's the, other, that's the only one you need. And so for some of you, even if you're there, your parents are long gone, and you're still trying to, listen, let that go. Die, put that on the cross. Put that on the cross. Put that pain, whatever, put it on the cross. You don't need to do that anymore. You don't need to fight in that way. You don't need to struggle and strive in that way. And for those of you, again, if, if in those moments, like I said earlier, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of hurt in our homes as well because parents, I'm sure, we, uh, when I was doing a Bible study here, I don't know how you guys feel, but I, I came out with a lot of bruises. I came out with a lot of things like, yep, I do that and I've done that a lot. And that's God's word here. And I was like, yeah, I've, 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 I've seen myself being consistent and insensitive and insensible and all those things. And so regardless of what it is, guys, we have that ultimate healing that can be found. It's just in Christ. And that's where the humility comes in. A humble, home is a, a humble heart is a happy one when Christ is made at home. And that's what we need. And guys, the home, both the home and the church, are meant to be testimonies to the power of God's love. And so for us, guys, it is now trying to process how can we submit to one another? Well, before we submit to another, we have to submit to Christ because that is the only place where he can bring that healing to then give us grace. Because listen, we can't change the past. Can't change the past. But God can't forgive us. All you can do now is how much time do you have left? Parents, how much time do you have left with your kids? That's what you need to maximize. 
How much time, kids, how much time do you have with your parents? You don't know. Maximize those moments. Maximize those moments. For those of you that don't have kids and don't have parents anymore, it's the same thing. Who do you have in your life? Maximize these moments by just turning to Christ, finding the forgiveness of your sins, because it is only, that is the only place and only way you can find joy and happiness, that you can live out of that overflow when you trust in Christ and he fills you with that eternal life. 